Good morning. Good morning. What an incredible way to start a Sunday. My name is Paul. If you're visiting, I just want to welcome you to Community Church this morning. And if this is your church home, we are so happy you're all here. And uh, as, as we were worshiping there, God dropped Romans 8 in my heart. And in verse 3, it says, The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body, like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as sacrifice for our sins. And our heart this morning is to to get together and to celebrate and to worship the God who gave his son because we can't do it. And our heart is to come together and to worship and to say, hey, you know what, wherever we're at, whatever's going on in life, you know what, God, you are good. And you did what we could not do, and we are grateful. And so we're going to jump back into worship here. And, and whatever your week's been like and, and wherever you're at, I just want to encourage you just to to come to grips with that realization that God is good. Um, and so we're going to jump back into worship and just, as a family, we're coming together to celebrate, to celebrate who God is and what he's done, not what we've done. There are times and there are circumstances where it's really hard to believe that. For me... In my life, there are times where this is really hard to believe, right? There's, there's things that happen. Life knocks you on your butt. And in those moments, it's, okay, God, I feel like you've let me down. And I feel like, like I'm not the only one that struggles with this. I feel like as we go back into this course in the bridge, there's some of us in here who need to declare this. Um, and, and maybe you need to grab a couple people around you just to pray with you. Maybe you need to come up here in, in the front and declare this. Um, but we're just going to go back into this. I just feel we need to go back into this. And, and if that's you, if you're struggling, if you're having one of those moments, just declare he's never going to let you down. Sometimes as, uh, as fathers, we, we say to our kids, I don't really care how you feel. And our mothers go, <gasps> of course we care how you feel. But sometimes we have to set that aside. It's still important to establish something that's more important. And I feel like today God's saying to me, I don't really care how you feel. I want to establish truth today. And if I can establish that truth, it doesn't matter if you feel great about today doesn't matter if you feel bad about today. It doesn't matter if you feel close or you feel like God is far. You will have truth, and that truth is what dispels the lies. All of the lies, you can declare that truth because you know it. It is, and that's what God wants to establish into us today is what is, what is truth. And so when you sing these words, declare these as truth. They are. You can't change them. You can't change the things that God has done. It's done they are. Can we say hallelujah? 
Can we say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Our God is good. Let's give him a clap offering. Oh, gee. You know, I want to read something to you. This morning before I came to church, I was sitting in my living room, and I was asking the Lord, what is your heart for our body today? And the scripture he laid on my heart, I just want to read to you. How many of you believe the Word of God is powerful? I mean, the Word of God is what we need to get into our hearts because it changes everything, right? So I want to read this to you. Just think of all the songs we've just sung. But this is the verse he gave me, and most of you know this verse. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies to continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. So that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we will live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be a great thanksgiving, and God will receive many more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the trouble we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Our focus is not on the issues, the problems, the fears that are in front of us. They're on him. Because as we declared, he is good. The lie of the enemy would say, no, he's not. He doesn't have your back. Yes, he does. He is a good God. Can we say amen to that? We had a couple uh, testimonies this morning. Are you guys good with testimonies being shared? I am. It's powerful. Andrea, come on up. So when um, we went to Newfoundland just recently, for we were there for five days, and then we went to Battle for Canada for a few days. And um, to get from Newfoundland to New Brunswick, we had to take these three very tiny planes. Have you ever been on a 12-seater plane? There, every window, every seat's a window seat. There's no way to get away from the view. <laughs> so... I was not looking forward to it at all, and I say that, and <laughs> I say it because I, I, <laughs> I don't want to say that I'm afraid, because I'm a Christian, and I'm not supposed to be afraid. <laughs> I'm supposed to put my trust in God, but honestly, yes, I was a bit afraid of three tiny, tiny planes, but there was this guy who's sitting just in front of Clayton, and um, he was losing it. Like, he was shaking. He was so terrified. He, was, he just could not handle it. And he was looking at the carpet. 
And we'd been up for maybe like 25 minutes, half an hour at this point. And God says to me, I'm, I'm interceding for him and for myself, really. <laughs> and, and God says, look out the window. And I looked out the window. And there were three whales breaching out my window. It was amazing because we were that close to the ground. <laughs> And I looked back at this man who's still losing his mind in fear. And God said, you can keep your eye on the situation. You can look at the carpet or the floor, or you can find the window. You can find the window to look out of and see what's happening, what I'm doing. You can see the beauty in the situation that I have put you in. So whatever your situation is today, if it's family that's not saved, if it's a sickness, if it's just anxiety and fear, God can show you the beauty in your situation. He can take you out of it. And we often, we wait for God to, to take us out of it in a situational idea. We think he's going to like miraculously get me from point A to point B and I won't have to take this tiny little plane, right? But that's not how it works. He actually gets you out of the situation by changing your mind, by changing what you see in the situation. And that's what he's doing here today. So if you're in a situation that looks really ugly right now, he actually wants to take you out of that and bring you into the beauty of the situation you're in. And I pray for you today. I pray that you can just stand up. <laughs> So I pray today that the Lord of lights, the creator of our universe, the one who fixed every atom and every molecule in your body would actually give you a vision change, that he would change the way you see your situation, that he would bring you to the window to show you the beauty that he has created for you to see and what's happening to you right now, that you would see his almighty creation for what it is, his almighty plan. He is awesome. He is great. And he has a plan for you right now today in Jesus name. Amen. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Go ahead and grab your seats. Kim, come on up. See, once again, we don't look at the things we can see. It's the one we can't see. He's taking care of us, right? He's got our back. Amen. I might be getting you to stand again. This, I love the timing of the Lord. You know, the Lord gives you a word in the midst of worship. And, and, and then it all, how it all flows by the Spirit of the Lord, you know. So while we're sitting there and then just this is what was coming to me by the Spirit of the Lord. How many of you ever have ever bought something of great value? A car, a house, you know, something, something of great value, you know, that, that cost you. And, and, you know, there's all of us go into the store and we'll just at, on a whim. Oh, let me buy that. But when there's things that are of great value, you count the cost. First of all, can I afford it? Secondly, is it worth it? Right? Is it worth it? And, and the, the, the Lord was showing me, he says, is this saying, the Father was saying when he looked at us, he, he counted the cost. What is it going to cost me to redeem these people? Is it worth it to me? 
And he, and, he, and he says, yes. And he looked, at, he looked at you. He looked at you and he said, they're worth it. I need to buy this. I need this. And, and he looks at the bank account and he says, he says this is what it's going to cost me. And then he goes to the bank, Jesus. And he says, Jesus, I need a withdrawal. And he comes along and then Jesus does the same thing. He says, it's worth it. Yeah. He's showing, he, he, and the Father showed Jesus, you. And he said, you're worth it. He, it wasn't on a whim. It wasn't on a whim that he said, yeah, let's just do this. You know, not like buying a chocolate bar. It was, it was the most valuable thing. And he counted the cost of it. And then it says, Jesus, it says he, he endured the cross because of the value. And it despi- he despised the shame. And I was looking up that word, you know, despise the shame. It says, this is what despise means. Now, was he despising the shame for himself? Like, oh no, I don't know if I can do this because I'm so shamed. No, he despised the shame for us. Our shame. Do you realize that? He took it upon himself. He despised it. Despise means contempt and a deep repugnance for he hated the shame. In other words, when we take and we look at ourselves and we see shame and we see unworthy and we see when we go through these things in life, this seems to be a theme this morning, going through struggles, going through stuff, and we say, is he going to let me down? Is he going to, am I worth it? Am I, am I, why, I feel guilty because I blew it this week? How many blew it this week? <laughs> And we feel this shame. And, and this is how Jesus looks at it. He despises that. It's repugnant. Repugnance means, ah, I can't stand that. Because the value, your value was so high, so worth it, that he says that shame just repels him. And he says he took that shame upon himself at that cross, and he never gave it back. And so I, I, I feel that there's, there's, this is obviously what's happening and within all of us and specifically some of you that we need this word and we need to put it back on the Lord Jesus because it's his. We are his. He bought us and that shame is his. Amen. So let's just stand again. Is that okay? Yeah. Just and if uh, if you feel a call here for salvation too in the midst of it. Okay. Yeah, that's actually that's an excellent word. This includes salvation. This includes those who who have not known the Lord Jesus as their Lord. There's a time when when we feel like it, or I need to dedicate my life to the Lord. Lord, I've fallen away. This might be the time. But how many feel this word? And this morning, you can hear all these words. Like Andrea came up and, and, and Paul, the word he had and the, those, the songs, the, the, the word that you gave. He will never let us down. And he sees us as such a valuable commodity. So, so much value. The father first saw it. And he showed his son. And the son said, I agree. And he came in and he says, I've bought you. You're now mine. You're my most valuable thing. And, and that nobody ever say, unworthy. No, not let anyone ever say, you're not mine. So maybe this morning, you need to make Jesus yours. Amen?
But there's some of you that may also say, you've been feeling that this week, that you, maybe you feel you let him down. But the Lord says, no, I will never let you down. And for this reason, I came, and I've already paid that price. So let's just cast that on the Lord this morning. So if that's you, you can come up. You can stay right where you are. But let's just, let's just, let's just raise our hand, if that's you, and just say, Lord, yes. Father, we, we cast the shame. If there's any shame on me, any feeling of guilt, of sorrow, that I let you down. Lord, thank you for that sacrifice. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you saw worth within me. You saw worth within them. And we now cast that shame and that guilt upon you. So we've had an interesting service already, haven't we? It's been good. Well, you're going to really love the title of the message coming up because I think it fits perfectly with everything we've talked about. Now, my wife spoke here probably, I don't know, five, six months ago, and she did pretty good, didn't she? She did. So we allowed her to come back for a second time. Right? See how she does today. Now, we're going to pray for her quickly because she is feeling sick. She almost threw one on me last night. And I said, but you've got to be ready in and out of season. It doesn't matter if you're sick. You've just got to do it. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, because she knows I wouldn't do that. But let's stretch our hands towards her. And let's just pray that God would give her enough strength to get through this service. So, Father, bless this woman as she shares. Heal her up. Free her voice. Free her lungs. And in the name of Jesus, use her by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Chris. <laughs> so I have one ask for the worship team. Um, I'm just really feeling like this is a prophetic word, and I think we need to undergird it with some worship. So whoever feels compelled to do that, it's going to be a while. So you'll have to play for a while just to give that disclaimer. So if one of you just wants to come on up, back me up. There she goes. The girl in the leopard print. Okay. So a couple of weeks ago, first of all, let me introduce myself for those that, that don't know me. My name is Jen Bannis. I'm married to um, Pastor Chris. And um, my occupation is a clinical counselor. I work with trauma clients. Uh, we've got two kids. Actually, they're not kids anymore. They're old. One boy, Kaylin, who's 19, and a girl, Mally, who's 15. And um, I really love Jesus a lot. I love Jesus because um, he saw me when nobody else did. And he met me where I was at, and he rescued me, and he brought me to a place of freedom and hope. And here's the big one. He gave me love for others. Instead of being afraid of them, I love them. And so today, um, I want to share with you a prophetic word that God gave me for this body. And, you know... I'm more of a teacher. Like, I love to, like, um, explore the Word of God and then share it with you and teach you. But God was just like, Jenna, I want to do a work in the people, and it needs to come out as a prophecy. And so, for me, this is a little more challenging because I'd rather, like, thus saith the Lord through the word of the Lord. And, and so this is like, okay, um, 
I need to rely on the Holy Spirit, and I can't perform in front of you. I can't perform today. I can't pull all of the energy that's in me and make this happen. It has to be God. And so this is what I'm going to do. I am going to abandon myself to the Holy Spirit right now. I'm just going to release any sense of performance that I feel like I have to do in this place. And I'm going to lean into the Jesus that I love. And I'm going to lift him higher than myself. It's about him today. It's not about me. So the word that the the Lord brought to me was about his desire to do a deep and cleansing work in the body. I felt that the word that he wanted to bring was about reset. And, you know, we've had a lot of change in, in the past little while. We've, we've put forth some programs and some vision, and Chris and I were blessed to move into that lead pastor position. But it also feels like there's something in the air. I don't know if you noticed that, but it feels like there's something in the air. There's something going on. And, you know, what we don't want to do is we don't want to move into the new with an old wineskin. We don't want to move into the new with our old baggage. Uh, We don't want to move into the new with wounds that we haven't been healed from. Not because there's shame in that, but because God loves us so much that he wants us to be free. And so God started talking to me about this idea of having a right frame of mind, the proper armor, and a holy and heavenly perspective, okay? So we're a really prophetic and intercessory body, and if, if you're visiting today, we, we do believe in the gift of prophecy, and we spend a lot of time interceding, and there's a lot of burden bearers in the room that we pick up on things, and we feel it, and it can hurt as much as it hurts for the other person that we're praying for, We also care about social justice issues in this body. You know, we've been really contending on the abortion issue. But you know what can sometimes happen? And and I'll even say this for myself, being a counselor, is that when we push into injustice, when we intercede, when we open up that gift of burden-bearing, we can become so hurt by the evil that is happening in the world. We can become so burdened by it. We can become even violated by it. We can become so burdened by it that it makes our hearts want to sort of close up and it makes us want to put an armor on and protect ourselves from the people and even sometimes from God. And here's what the Lord said to me. He told me that sometimes... Even though his word says he's good, we wonder why there's evil. And he told me that some of us have been really wounded by evil. And it's created distance between himself and his people. And you know, I can, I can testify to that. Um, I'm just going to be super vulnerable with you right now. Um, as a clinical counselor, one of my flags is something called compassion fatigue. So I practice a deep level of compassion when I'm in the counseling room with people. When I hear their stories, though, sometimes my compassion for what's happened overwhelms me, and it causes me to become fatigued and sad. 
And, you know, it's in that moment that the enemy loves to kind of swoop in and say, look at how evil people are. Where's God? Where's the hope? You are working way too hard for something that's never going to get solved. This is too much for you. Can you relate to this at all? And so that's me being vulnerable with you. And so something I've had to do is ask this very question around this word that God wants to drop in your hearts today. And that's this question. God, if you're so good, why do you allow evil? And, you know, this is not a fun topic to necessarily talk about. Like, it's not easy and breezy and light. But for some reason, God wants this, the answer to this, his response to this, his heart around this to land in our spirits so that we can move forward as a body undefiled, healed from our wounds, with a good and healthy wineskin, and with the armor that's been designed by him. Do you know Jesus had a perspective on evil? And he was very clear about it when he went to the cross. And God had a perspective on evil, and he was very clear about it when he sent his son. But you know, there's just a couple points that I want to share with you today about this. Um, this, I feel like this could be like a 10-part sermon series, you know what I mean? There's a lot to say about this, but there were just a few things that God put in my spirit about this, and, and then I'm going to just speak a prophetic word into you to break off any doubt you may have about the goodness of God, any doubt that you may have about what it means to move into the dark places and overcome them with the light of Jesus. I'm going to speak that over you today. But first, I want to set you up with the word of the Lord so that you're ready to receive that prophetic word. So first, I want to start with what does God even feel about evil? So I want you to pull out your Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible, we've got a screen that will put the scripture up. And... I am going to read to you from the Psalms. Now, here's a cool story. I'm going to be really quick about this. I went through a day where I was suffering from what felt like some compassion overload, some compassion fatigue. And so I was in my kitchen, and I decided to turn on the word of the Lord. I listen to scripture sometimes. And the Lord just said to me, I want you to listen to the beginning Psalms. And so, you know, this, this word of the Lord is kind of running through the house, and all of a sudden, I'm getting this revelation through the early Psalms, book of Psalms, about what God thinks about evil, and it is blowing my mind, and it's resetting my spirit, and it's settling my emotions. And so, I want to read them to you today, and I just ask that you'd open up your spirit. Like, you know, we've read the Psalms a lot as a people. And sometimes they start to become so familiar. But this is a new word today. This is a fresh word from heaven. This is a prophetic word that is meant to sink into your spirit and heal your thoughts and settle your emotions. And so I just want to say, open your spirit to the word of God. Okay? So Psalms 1, chapter 1. This is the NLT, which is... Um, New Living Translation. I really like this translation. The joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. They delight in the law of the Lord. They meditate on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank. 
bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither. They prosper in all that they do, but not the wicked. They're like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly. Can you imagine that? His eyes are fixed on your path right now. Every step you take, he watches over you. But the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Okay, so we're going to keep going. I want you to now go to Psalms 5. Same translation, New Living. Okay, so in enters David. Now, I really love David because um, David was quite honest with God. <laughs> I don't know if you notice. <laughs> um, he, he had joy, immense joy. He had terrible sorrow. Um, and he was the victim of someone with horrible mental illness and demonic possession. Okay? So, King Saul was so mentally ill, was so possessed by evil that his desire was to kill David. Now, if you remember, David, who was just a shepherd boy, was anointed with oil by a prophet to be king. And, you know, I don't think that there were times when Saul was pursuing David, trying to kill him, trying to destroy him, trying to malign his name, that he felt like he was ever going to be king. I think he just hoped he wouldn't die. And so these are the words of David. And they're so honest. I can so relate to them. Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry. My king, my God, I I pray to no one but you. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my requests to you and I wait expectantly. God, you take no pleasure in wickedness. You can't tolerate the sins of the wicked. Therefore, the proud may not stand in your presence. You hate all who do evil. You'll destroy those who tell lies. The Lord detests murderers and deceivers. This is pretty clear language about what God feels about evil. But then he says this, because of your unfailing love, I can enter your house. I'll worship at your temple with deepest awe. Lead me in the right path, Lord, or my enemies will conquer me. Make your way plain for me to follow. My enemies cannot speak a truthful word. Their deepest desire is to destroy others. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with flattery. God, declare them guilty. Let them be caught in their own traps. Drive them away because of their many sins, for they've rebelled against you. But, but, let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them, that all who love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O Lord, and you surround them with your shield of love. It's such vivid language 
about evil and about where we go when we're suffering from evil. Okay, I'm, I'm going to keep going. Okay, I want you to turn to Psalm 7. I'm setting you up with the word of God so that your spirit can receive this prophetic word. This word is going to be hidden in your heart so that you're not going to sin against him. This word is meant to turn your face to Jesus. This word is meant to heal your mind and settle your emotions and heal your body. Okay, so once again, we have David, this poor guy. (laughs) He had to battle so much. So once again, who does he run to in the face of evil, in the face of calamity? Remember, this was a man who lived in a cave because his life was threatened. I come to you for protection, Lord my God. Save me from my persecutors. Rescue me. If, the, if you don't, they'll maul me like a lion. They're going to tear me to pieces with no one to rescue me. Lord my God, if I've done wrong or I'm guilty of injustice, if I've betrayed a friend or I've plundered my enemy without cause, let my enemies capture me. Let them trample me into the ground and drag my honor in the dust. So here he is. He's saying, I have to own, own this. If I've sinned against you, and this is a consequence of my sins, let it be so. I'm going to own up to my life. I'm going to own up to my choices. I'm going to own up to my thoughts. I'm going to own up to my behavior. And he says, if this is me, I own it. But then he says this. Arise, O God, in anger. Stand up against the fury of my enemies. Wake up, my God, and bring justice. Gather the nations before you. Rule over them from on high. The Lord judges the nations. Declare me righteous, Lord, for I'm innocent, O God. End the evil of those who are wicked. Defend the righteous, for you look deep within the mind and the heart, righteous God. And he's saying, you see the hearts. You know. You are a just God. You understand. Not me. It's you. And then he declares, God is my shield, saving those whose hearts are true and right. God's an honest judge. Let me just say that again. God is an honest judge. Get that into your spirit. God is an honest judge. He's honest. He's honest. He's angry with the wicked every day. If a person doesn't repent, God sharpens his sword. He bends his string and his bow. He prepares his deadly weapons and he shoots his flaming arrows. The wicked conceive evil. They are pregnant with trouble. They give birth to lies. They dig a deep pit to trap others, then fall into it themselves. The trouble they make for others backfires on them. The violence they plan falls on their own heads. I will thank the Lord because he's just I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. So, can you kind of get a sense of what God feels about evil in the world? Can you kind of get a sense that he hasn't turned his back on evil? That he's completely aware of it? That he has strong feelings about evil? That he has a plan? That he hasn't forgotten? That he's not unjust? that he's not wicked. I want you to go home today and read Psalm 9, okay? I was going to read it today, but I want to move on. Psalm 9. So put that in your phones or 
So now that we know what God feels about evil and what's happening on the earth, there's a very clear picture through the Psalms. I want to give you a couple points about this, this response to, if God is so good, why does he allow evil? You know, sometimes it's happening because of free will. You know, the, the phrase that I wrote down, and I just wanted to declare it over you today, is free will is an incredible expression of God's love. Now listen to this. He dignifies us with the ability to choose. Okay? He gives us dignity by giving us a free will. Do you know, when, when God gave us a free will, he said to us, I love you enough to choose. And sometimes what happens when we're not in, in the heart of God, when we're not aligned with the will of God, free will is exerted and it hurts others. Free will can sometimes mean choosing evil over good, choosing selfishness over choosing the best interest of others. Now, this is difficult because we want to say, God, where were you when they did this? Don't you even care? And you know what he's saying? I care a lot. I care a lot, but I love you so much. I love you so much that I've given you the dignity of free will. So I just want to read. I kind of smashed some scriptures together here. Um, now, if you're someone who loves scripture references, I do. I love to go back and read them. This, this is from Ezekiel 18, Ezekiel 18, 5, 9, 20, 23, 31, and 32. It's like a mashup. And so <laughs> this is what I wrote down. Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, says the Lord God? And not rather that they should turn from their ways and live? Cast away from you all the transgressions that you've committed against me. And get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, says the Lord God. Turn then and live. And so here's God saying, choose life. I've given you the dignity of choice. Choose life. And not everybody does that. It's hard. It's hard when not everybody does that, when it hurts us, when it hurts others. But we get to choose life. We get to exert our dignity and move into truth and move into life and become aligned by that. And it heals us. And it frees us from the burden of what others are doing. Okay, so I just want to say this. When you think about God giving us dignity through choice, It'd be meaningless and even cruel if we lacked free will. I want you to think about that for a minute, okay? So I think about my kids. You know, they're, they're at this age where they're starting to exert their free will. <laughs> um, and they're not always going to do that very well, you know. Um, they're not always going to do it perfectly. And sometimes they're going to exert that free will based on their, their best interest, not in the interest of others. I can't go in and force them to behave a certain way. I love them too much to do that. And I'm going to tell you that sometimes their choices really hurt me. But you know what? 
I'm waiting for them when they come back. And I'm ready to bless them and speak into them and give them wisdom. I'm ready to forgive them. And yes, I do correct them. And yes, there are consequences. This is, this is how God works. He's not a cruel God. This dignity, this freedom of will means that we can move into life, but it also means that sometimes we're going to suffer the consequences of other people's choices. And that's hard, but that's why we need the love of God. That's why we need the vision of God for others, the way he sees them, even when they're choosing something that's not right. So there's the scripture verse in um, Isaiah 48, 18. I think about it all the time. If only you'd actually pay attention to my commandments, then your peace would become like a river. It's really simple. (laughs) If only we'd pay attention to his commandments. If only Spruce Grove would pay attention to his commandments. If only Alberta would pay attention to his commandments. If only Canada would pay attention to his commandments. Then our peace would be like a river. And do you know where it starts? Me. You. If you will pay attention to his commandments, your peace will be like a river. If you will exert your free will and bend it to the heart of God, your peace will be like a river. That is incredible. (laughs) Jesus, before he was crucified, came um, into Jerusalem um, with his disciples. Oh, the scripture always just hits me so hard. And uh, I feel like it, uh, sometimes I feel like I, I say this over the people, um, over the social justice issues. Sometimes I feel like I'm saying it to Canada. Sometimes I feel like I can relate to the heart of Jesus. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew 23, 37. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And that grieves my heart because I think about the times that I wouldn't let him gather me under his wing. I was stubborn and I was a performer and I loved myself and I I moved in self-preservation and he just wanted to gather me under his wings and protect me. And you know, so often we're angry at God for how we've been hurt. We're angry at God for the evil that is being perpetrated in the land. But then we look and we see his heart and it's just to gather us under his wing and to protect us. And so often, so much of what is happening in the land is because of our refusal to come under the wings of God. Okay, deep breath. Sometimes evil happens because we aren't doing anything about it. Uh, And, you know, I I am preaching to myself on this one. Um, I am a certified doctoral degree in people-pleasing. And uh, 
I'm scared. Sometimes I'm scared to stand up and fight for what's right. Sometimes I'm scared of the reaction I'm going to get. Sometimes I'm scared of being called a bigot. Sometimes I'm scared of losing my job. Sometimes I'm scared of being hated. But you know, then I don't have the right to blame God and hate others because I haven't done anything about it. And I know this is a hard word (laughs) Um, because the onus is on us. Sometimes evil happens in the land because the people of God sleep. Sometimes evil happens in the land because the people of God have prioritized comfort and protection and safety. And sometimes our churches turn into fortresses to keep the world out than safe houses to invite the world in. And then when evil happens, we're surprised and shocked and angry. But that's on us. If we want justice in the land, we have to partner with the Lord and we have to speak up and we have to fight for what's right. And once again, I'm preaching this to myself. I've just started doing this more where I've been doing more advocacy work and it is scaring me. It's so scary. Um, But I got to own this one. Do you know, part of my healing from performance orientation and part of the... Um, the covering that I use from burning out on compassion is to advocate. Because if I sit in the room and I hear about evil and I don't do anything about it, I feel very helpless. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you feel helpless, I want you to get up and I want you to open your mouth and I want you to have a voice and I want you to go out there and I want you to fight for the defenseless. I want you to be a voice for the voiceless. And I want you to do that all because you know God loves mercy and he loves justice and he will give you what you need to fight for justice. You don't have to be afraid. And I want to read you the scripture verse. It's from uh, Romans 8. That's what Paul read from this morning, remember? And we didn't even talk before the service about it. Okay, Romans 8, but this one is 31, 32. And... (laughs) I printed it out in one, two, three, four versions because I just got so excited about it. But I'll just read from one, okay? Okay. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Okay? The pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. We fix our eyes on Jesus. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he scorned its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And, and you read that too, didn't you? Or you, you spoke, he scorned it. Do you know, you're going to get to the place, I'm going to prophesy this over you. You're going to get to the place where you're going to scorn the shame. You're going to scorn the fear that you feel. And you're going to go out there and you're going to open your mouths and you're going to be warriors for justice. And you're going to speak distinctly and clearly and succinctly. 
and you're going to be powerful and you're not going to be afraid and God's going to anoint your head with oil and he's going to sit you down at the table right in front of your enemies and he's going to anoint your head with oil and you're going to eat and drink and know that he's good and it won't matter what anything is happening around you. It's just not going to matter because your eyes are going to be so fixed on Jesus, the one that pioneered your faith and the one that is perfecting your faith because of Jesus. So I'm just pulling you forward, and I'm just saying, fix your eyes on Jesus, not on evil, not on the losses, not on the fears, not on the pain, not on the wounds, not on anything. Fix your eyes on him. Find him right now, and just fix your eyes on him. Look at him. His eyes are of fire. And he's got a burning love for his bride, and he's passionate and compassionate, and he's full of grace, and he's the pioneer of your faith, and he's the perfecter of your faith, and he's not finished with you yet. Whew. That, that'll preach. Come on. Okay. Sometimes evil happens because man's decided to define truth for himself. Right? So I think about this in my own life. Like, I'm always having to rein my opinions in. Like, God has given me a spirit of wisdom, and I use that to counsel others. But I have to be careful because it can become Jen's truth rather than God's truth, okay? And when that happens, I can lead people astray. I'm a born-again, spirit-filled Christian who loves the Lord. But I always have to ask the Lord, Is this your truth? Now, this gets even more dangerous when you have those who don't know the Lord, who don't know the word of God, and they've decided to define what's true and right for them. Now, what happens is that we have a situation where what's right for someone isn't right for someone else. What is a great way to live life for someone isn't great for someone else. And you know what happens? Boundaries get destroyed. People's hearts get wounded. People become slimed. So you know there's that that argument that we hear in culture today, and it's this. I've lived a really good life. I've been a good person. I've worked hard to be kind. I am moral. Do you know, I'm just going to stop for a minute And compare that to the heart of God. And I'm going to look at Jesus on the cross and I'm going to say, is that okay? Is it okay for us to be saying that? Because I've performed so well my whole life. I've earned the right. Do you know what the word says? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. My argument is always this. What happens if you live a life where you feel that you followed these rules, these lists of what you think is good and right, according to you? What happens if right before you die, you do something wrong? So where does that land in your rule book? Does that mean that all the good things you did are negated? Does it mean that people who do a little bit more bad than you don't get to heaven? Like, how does this rule book work? And aren't you tired? And how is that working for you? I look, at, I look at the story of Jesus and how he got naked and he was beaten and whipped and a crown of thorns was put on his head. 
and they punched nails through his skin and they mocked him and they beat him and they put him up on that cross in front of everybody and you want to say that your good is better than his good and you want to say that your performance is better than that how's that working and I got to say that sometimes evil happens because of this. Because there's not enough good acts in the world to overcome the power of sin. Only Jesus can. Only the blood of Jesus. You can't earn this one. You can't fix this one with your good works. Only Jesus do you know what bugs me about this one? Okay, I'm going to rant for a minute. Is when I look at the world and how they've decided to choose their own sense of truth, their own right. And then when something bad happens, they blame God. That bugs me. It's almost like when a kid says, I do it myself. And then you know, they stumble and fall and then they rage against dad and kick him in the knee. I'm humbled by that. I'm humbled by the fact that God has offered us a solution to evil. And then we say, it's okay, we'll do it ourselves. Anyway, that's my rant. Okay, solution. Like, this is intense, right? It feels kind of heavy. But then uh, we look to Jesus. I want to read you the, the, the words from a song that I've been meditating on lately. Um, it's an older song by Misty Edwards. And when I first heard it, it like blew my mind, blew my heart. And lately, it's been revisiting my spirit. So here's what happens. When... When we're wounded by evil, when we're hurt by betrayal, when we are under oppression, when we're having hard times, the temptation is to question the love of God. That's the temptation. That's what the enemy invites you to do. Okay? But God wants you to know what love looks like. And he wants to invite you to turn your eyes from the hurts and the wounds and the evil and all that's going on in the world and fix your eyes on him. And so I want to read the words of the song because it's been moving in me and there's something in it right now. And this is what it says. What does love look like is the question I've been pondering. What does love look like is the question I've been asking of you. I once believed that love was romance, just a chance. I even thought that love was for the lucky and the beautiful. I once believed that love was a momentary bliss. But love is more than this. All you ever wanted was my attention. All you ever wanted was love from me. All you ever wanted was my affections to sit here at your feet. Then I sat down a little frustrated and confused 
if all life comes down to love, then love has to be more than a sentiment, more than selfishness and selfish gain. And then, I saw him there, hanging on a tree, looking at me. And I saw him there, hanging on a tree, looking at me. And he was looking at me, looking at him, staring through me. And I could not escape those beautiful eyes. (laughs) And I began to weep and weep. He had arms wide open and his heart was exposed and he was bleeding and he was bleeding. Love's definition was looking at me. Love's definition was looking at me. Looking at him hanging on a tree. And I began to weep and weep and weep and This is how I know what love is. And as I sat there weeping and crying, those beautiful eyes full of desire and love, he said to me, you shall love me, you shall love me. With arms wide open and a heart exposed, with arms wide open, bleeding, Sometimes bleeding. If anybody's looking for love in all the wrong places, if you've been searching for love, come to me. Come to me. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Forget your father's house and run. Run with me. And you know this is what it all comes down to. The love of Jesus, the cross of Jesus, the power of the blood. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. This is what it all comes down to. When evil has wounded you, when you look at the abortion issue, when you look at the... I could go on and on and on. Fix your eyes on Jesus. What is he doing? His arms are wide open and his heart is exposed and he's bleeding and he's bleeding. And he has the solution for evil today. And we turn to it. And we open up our arms wide open. And we expose our hearts to him. And yes, sometimes you will bleed. But he will heal you. And he will transform you. So, you know, the Lord said to me that there were, there were three groups of people that I need to talk to today, to pray over today, to minister to today, okay? Now, this is the first one. Those of you who've never been willing to open your hearts to Jesus because you look at the evil in the world and you think there is no way that there could be a merciful God in the midst of all of this. And I hope today I've painted a bit of a picture of who this God is. I hope that you've seen the picture of Jesus on the cross bleeding, dying for you, dying to overcome evil. I hope you're getting a picture of that right now. I believe that what you've said is that you can't trust a Savior who lets bad things happen to people. And I I tell you to look to the cross with arms wide open, heart exposed, bleeding, bleeding. That's his response to evil. And, and, And this also includes those who have rejected their first love. Somehow you've lost it. Somehow 
You've lost him. In the midst of all this, in the midst of everything that's going on in the world, in the midst of darkness encroaching on, on your territory, you've lost your first love. And, and it's possible that that distance that you're feeling from God, the lack of connection that you feel with others, the sense of violation, the lack of the peaceful and the sacred are because you've pulled away from your Savior, but He is here today, and His arms are wide open, and His heart is exposed, and He's bleeding, and He's bleeding, and He's inviting you to come to Him. And the second group of people that I felt the Lord wanted me to minister today are those who have hardened their hearts toward God because of the pain of the ugly and evil in this world, and you've blamed it on God, and you need to forgive him. Is it possible that the sense of trauma that you feel, the overwhelming sense of injustice, is because you blamed it on God? You've been seeing him through a lens of a judge who oppresses. Is it that the unforgiveness of your heart is beginning to tear you apart? God wants to heal you. He wants to be in right relationship with you. And you just may need to forgive him. That sounds really weird, doesn't it? To forgive God? The next group of people that I felt that the Lord told me to minister to today is those who have become hardened and cynical towards humankind. I'm in that club. And I'm a counselor. Sometimes my heart gets hard. Sometimes it's easier to be hard. Sometimes to protect myself from compassion overload, I just get hard. And I find myself secretly rolling my eyes at the things that are going on in the world. And I'm just going to be quite honest with you. Sometimes I just want to give it all a big middle finger. I know that sounds terrible, but I'm just being real with you. And that's when I know I've hardened my heart and I've become cynical. I think sometimes we pick up our own, our own tools, our own armor. We create our own walls, our own lines of defense to protect ourselves from the evil in the world. But then we can't get out. And then we become isolated. And then we become distanced from God. And we wonder why we can't hear his voice. And we wonder... Why, why we feel such distance from him. Maybe you put on the wrong armor. And maybe it's time to let that down. And maybe it's time to allow God to give you his armor. The helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. The shield of faith. The sword of the spirit. The belt of truth. And the shoes of peace. He wants you to walk in peace into every situation. He doesn't want you to put up walls and have armor that isn't from him because it puts you in a prison and it keeps you from his love and it keeps you from fellowshipping with others. We are going to hurt each other, but we can forgive. We're not always going to do this right, but we can look to Jesus. So we need to let the armor down. Okay, this is where you get to respond. Do you know, I think it's so important when the word is preached that you get a chance to respond to it, that you get a chance to move in what the Holy Spirit is is telling you to do. I think it's important that when the word is preached that we come together as one 
And we let that word sink into us and we let it become a defining moment in our church body. Now, remember what I said in the beginning. I felt the Lord said this. I'm going to pull it out again. He said, I want to do a deep cleansing of the heart, the body, and I want to cleanse this sanctuary. I want to do a holy reset. I want to give you a right frame of mind, proper armor, and a holy and heavenly perspective about who I am in the midst of these trying times in North America where the church will be persecuted. So you get to respond to the word so that we can do that. We're going to yield to God right now. I'm going to ask that you would bow your heads and that you would close your eyes. Just take a deep breath and fix your eyes on Jesus. Find him. Invite the Holy Spirit in. Ask Father God to cover you. If you are someone who's never been willing to open your hearts to Jesus because you couldn't reconcile evil with a merciful Jesus and you're ready to let him into your life and you're ready to know that kind of love that has arms wide open and heart exposed and he's bleeding and his blood is healing you, I'd like you to put your hand up right now. Don't be shy. Don't be scared. Put up your hand. Thank you so much. I see your hands. Thank you so much. And now I just ask that you would pray in your heart this prayer. Jesus, I look at you on the cross with your arms wide open and your heart exposed. And I see you bleeding and I receive you into my life. I receive your blood to cleanse me of my sin. I let you reconcile this hurt that I have around evil in the world. I let you be my champion. I let you be the king of my heart, and I'm going to let you lead my life from here forward. Thank you for this gift. Amen. You may put your hands down. Thank you so much. The next group, keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed. You who have hardened your hearts toward God because the pain of the ugly and the evil of this world has been too hard, and you know you've blamed it on God. You know that you need to forgive him. You know that it's created distance between you and him. You know that you need cleansing. Put your hand up right now. Lift it up. Thank you so much. I see it. Thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability. Okay, we're going to pray this prayer together in quietly in your heart. God, I give the issue of justice over to you right now. My heart has been wounded by what I've seen on this earth, and I don't know what to do with it. Forgive me for blaming you. Forgive me for questioning you. I yield to your mercy, and even right now I come and I sit at the mercy seat and I let your oil pour over me, and I let mercy and truth fill me to full. Eyes closed, heads bowed. Finally, those of you who have become hardened and cynical towards humankind, you don't trust them. You don't believe they have the capability of being more than they are. 
You even feel some hate towards them. You've put armor on to protect yourself from the world. You're afraid. If this is you, put up your hand. Thank you. I see your hands. I bless you for your honesty and your vulnerability. And we're going to pray this prayer in the secret place of our hearts between you and the Holy Spirit. God, I've hardened my heart. I've been hurt. I've been afraid. I don't know what to do with evil. I don't know what to do with myself. I've been so wounded. I don't know how to come out of this, but the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take all this armor and I'm going to lay it at your feet. I'm going to let down the walls and I'm going to lay it at your feet. And I'm going to let my arms be wide open and I'm going to let my heart be exposed and I'm going to come to the cross and I'm going to watch you with your arms wide open and your heart exposed and your bleeding and your blood is pouring over me and it's healing me of the wounds. And you're coming with your perfect love and it's overcoming my fear. And you're putting on me new armor, a helmet of salvation and a breastplate of righteousness and you're handing to me a shield of faith and I can feel the power of that faith. And I can feel the belt of truth around my waist. And I can feel the sword of the spirit and it's cutting through what is true and what isn't. And I can feel the peace that's being set on my feet and I can walk in peace in all circumstances. And I'm letting your blood come and heal me. And I'm coming close to you again. And you're my first love. You're my only love. And love is going to heal. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Um, I'm going to put Joel Puckalo on the spot. Joel, will you come up here for a minute? So as I was preaching, and actually even a little bit before this, I felt like there was one final thing we needed to do in response to this word. Now, this is my friend Joel. Oh, I love him so much. Um, Joel is such a precious man, and I just feel like God has been anointing him with the Father's heart. And I'm going to put you on the spot, Joel, and I feel that I'd like you to pray the Father's blessing over this congregation today. You all did something amazing. You gave your hearts to Jesus. You forgave God for where you thought he played a role in evil. And you let down your guard and your armor, and and you let yourself be exposed to the heart of God. And you know what? You responded to him. He wants to respond to you. He wants to bless you. And he's got a word for you. And you know what? I feel like Joel's got it today. And I'm just going to ask that you pray or speak a blessing over these people to seal this up. Amen, amen. So let's just close our eyes and just hold our hands up in front of us just like you're receiving a gift. Because the Father is here. And he just loves each and every one of you. The Bible says that before the foundations of the world that he made you, that he saw you, that you were in his heart. Thousands and thousands of years before now, you were in his heart. And wherever you're at today, he sees you. He knows where you've been, that he knows where you're going. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end. He's sovereign over all history, over all time. But here in this moment, he's here with you. So, Father, we just thank you for your love. We just receive the word planted into our heart today. We receive deep into the soil of our hearts your love. 
It's not in our ability to receive or figure things out, but deep calls unto deep. And within us is your love. And we just draw on the well, the wellspring of your love within us. We just call it forth right now in Jesus' name that your love would just cover every person in this room. Father, we thank you that you, the way you see us is through the lens of the cross, through the blood of Jesus and through the love of Jesus that we are covered by his blood. And when you see us, you see Jesus. That we're accepted in the beloved. That grace upon grace you bestow on us each day. So here in this moment, we just receive this gift, Father. And, and as we go home to today, we just continue to receive your love. We just put ourselves tomorrow morning, the rest of this week before you, and say, Father, we receive your love. We receive what you've done for us, Jesus. And, and you know, Jen, what you, what you prayed and spoke on today, um, I grew up on a farm, and we had porcupines, <laughs> and we had dogs. And all the time, the dogs... We're getting with the porcupines, and we have to pull out all the quills. And I just believe the Lord is removing quills today that have been there for years. And we thank you, Lord, that it's just not in our ability to try to heal ourselves or deal with these wounds or infection, but the love of the Father is coming and covering every quill in Jesus' name in this moment. And we just receive the healing balm of Gilead, the love that covers a multitude of sins, no matter what we've done and where we've been, your love covers, Father. So we just rest in you. We thank you that your love is a gift, that we can't earn it. That just as Jen spoke today, we just repent of anything we've done to try to earn your love, to try to earn your grace. And the cross is more powerful than anything that we've done or anything that's been done to us. But sometimes we're just working so hard we can't even receive it. So we just remove right now. We just lay down before you, Father, anything we've done to earn your grace. And we know it's only by Jesus.